G'day and welcome to Partakers and to our series, Easter Weekend 2014. Centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ, these words were spoken about the coming Messiah by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 and 14. See, my servant will act wisely, he'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. And then into Isaiah chapter 53 verses 10 to 11. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. On this Good Friday, let us look briefly at the events before Jesus' crucifixion, his mockery of a trial, and his condemnation, going on to looking briefly at his crucifixion, death and burial, before finishing with what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. So, what of Jesus? Firstly, Jesus was condemned. Jesus is before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Pilate gave in and permitted the flogging and mockery of Jesus in the hope of shaming and appeasing Jesus' accusers. We read about this in John chapter 19. Pilate affirmed Jesus' innocence after the scourging and the whipping. Jesus' refusal to answer, however, stung Pilate into reminding Jesus of Pilate's own Roman authority. Jesus, however, corrected Pilate's idea of authority and told him that although Pilate may have power on earth, Jesus' power reached beyond earth. Jesus knew that his work of bringing people back to God, bringing people back into a loving relationship with God, did not rest on the actions of a mere Roman governor. And of course, Pilate was more concerned with his own position than he was for justice. In all this, we see that Jesus is and was the true Passover lamb. So having been condemned, Jesus is crucified. Jesus Christ, bearing his own cross, was killed as a common criminal. We read that Pilate was responsible for fixing the sign, the King of the Jews. The clothes of condemned prisoners were given to soldiers on duty. And even when he himself was in agony, Jesus showed concern for his mother, committing her to the Apostle John. In Jesus' final moments, he cries out, I am thirsty. It is finished. The desire of the Jews to fulfill their rituals were important because the Sabbath fell within the Passover festival. The breaking of legs sped up the process of death for Jesus. 
the piercing of Jesus' side, and the flow of blood and water proved Jesus was really dead. So Jesus is dead, and Jesus is now buried. We know and read that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus buried Jesus. And the significance of in which no one had ever been laid, speaking about the tomb, is to demonstrate that the body of Jesus at no point came into contact with the decay of a dead body. So Jesus is condemned, he is crucified, he is dead, and he is buried. But before we leave today, let's investigate what Jesus' death on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago means for humanity today and why he had to die on a cross in the first place. So, what has Jesus' death done for humanity? All human beings in their natural state are born as sinful people and have rebelled against God. That is what sin is, rebellion and disobedience against God, both in action and in action. However, because of Jesus' death on the cross, God now offers forgiveness to all people, offers peace with all people, and reconciliation with himself, so that people could be no longer his enemies. Through the cross, and only through the cross of Jesus Christ, people can be made just before God, declared innocent. The cross cleanses people from sin and makes people right before Almighty God. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, people can have direct access to God, and Jesus Christ himself intercedes for people. Because of Jesus Christ's death on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, all those who follow him, choose to follow him, have freedom from the power of slavery to sin and freedom from the power of the devil. None of these things are true if the person does not follow Jesus. Because you see, there is a problem. And the problem is sin or disobedience of and towards God. Sin is what separates humanity from God and as a consequence leads to both a spiritual and a physical death. In the part of the Bible, the Old Testament, sins were dealt with by blood sacrifices of atonement as covering for sin. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And a blood sacrifice is God's way of dealing with sin. And these blood sacrifices of the Old Testament signified several things. They provided a covering for sin. They showed the great cost of sin. They were an exchange or substitution. And they were only always going to be a temporary measure as they pointed forward to Jesus' death on the cross. So if that is the problem, what is the solution? The solution lay not in continual animal sacrifice of the Old Testament, because the blood of animals cannot take away a sin, but it was only ever going to be a veneer or a covering. It was temporary. That was why it was necessary to repeat time and time again. 
However, it is only through the death of Jesus that sin is taken away, because Jesus is a permanent sacrificial substitute. That's why we don't do animal sacrifices anymore. So what's all that got to do with sin? How does Jesus Christ and his death on the cross do away with sin and evil? First of all, it was a substitution. That is how God is both the just and justifier of sinners. Jesus died for sin, the just for the unjust. That is why Jesus needed to be both fully God and fully human. If he lacked either, it would not be the full substitutionary sacrifice that was necessary to bear the permanent consequences of sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, in our place, he bore the consequences of all sin, past, present and future. God's judgment lay upon him. Jesus therefore became sin for us, and it was his blood as a lamb without spot or blemish that fulfills God's requirements permanently. And it's more, more than just a substitution. Towards sin and sinful behaviour, God has great fury, anger and wrath. Yet he is slow to anger and quick to forgive. And propitiation basically means the turning aside of God's anger by the offering of the sacrifice of Christ. God's wrath and judgment of sin falls on Christ instead of us. And we need to approach God to appease his anger in order to accept it. In 1 John we read that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also the sins of the whole world. And he goes on in that letter of 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, by saying, This is real love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice or a propitiation to take away our sins. Not only was it a sacrifice, and not only was it a propitiation, but it is also an act of redemption. In the time of the New Testament, this word was used to refer to the buying back of a slave, the price paid to buy the slave's freedom. God paid redemption so that humans can be freed from the slavery to sin. The price was paid, and so we, as humans, are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. But it is our responsibility to choose that way. God does not coerce forcefully. He leaves it as a choice for humans to make as individuals. So it was a substitution, it was a propitiation, it was for redemption, and finally the cross also is victory over Satan, death and evil. As we look back through the gospel accounts, we see Jesus being tempted and taunted by Satan. We see the temptations in the wilderness and Satan using the Apostle Peter to try and deflect Jesus away from the cross and Satan using Judas to betray him. If Jesus had ever succumbed to temptation and sinned in thought, word, action or in action, then Jesus himself would have needed a saviour. That is why Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, because he never sinned and always did what he saw God the Father wanting him to do. Jesus' death on the cross is the centerpiece of all human history and the focal point of eternity. At the cross, 
and only through the cross, Jesus' mission is accomplished. At the cross, this God-man, Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for all sin of all time so that people can have the opportunity to be restored into relationship with God. However, some people say that Jesus Christ himself didn't die on the cross, but rather somebody was made to be his substitute. But again, this is a lie of the devil. Nobody could have been a substitute, or the Jewish leaders would have said so when the rumours of Jesus' resurrection began to circulate. They were watching, and watching closely. And of course, watching even closer were the Romans. The Romans kept strict discipline and regimen, and nobody would have been able to get in amongst the Roman soldiers and somehow substitute themselves for Jesus. Yes, somebody else carried the cross for him when he wasn't able to, but nobody but Jesus was nailed to that cross. Jesus died on that cross, and there was no substitute. So Jesus is dead on the cross. He's buried. But what happens next? You have to come back Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to find out more. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, where every day there is something added to help you in your Christian discipleship. Bye for now.